Hi, and welcome to another episode of Rigore, the Italian football podcast. I'm Marco Rinaldi. And I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi. And you'll notice there's no pun-filled introduction from me this week. I'll leave that to you, Jinx, but as we'll get on to as well, I am not in the mood for puns this week at all. <laughs> but uh, we'll come to Venezia later on in the episode. Um, we'll start off with uh, the game that we've actually just watched as we record this, the, the Derby d'Italia, Juve uh, beating Inter, which was probably a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, and and worth it, I thought. And I mean, the first half to me was pretty dull and tactical, and you know, probably pleasing to kind of football aficionados that love to study their formations or whatever. But not not all that entertaining to the to the neutral, really. And it seemed to me that Inter were trying to turn up the heat a little. It was like two managers that respect each other very, you know, and as I say, I thought Inter were trying to turn up the heat a little and then got caught on the break by a lovely, lovely break and move by Juve and then could have been two VAR intervened to rule one out for a minuscule handball. And, uh, but it, it did look as, as Inter sort of threw caution to the wind um, Juve did look sharp on the break and I know you don't want puns but Fajoli scored again and, and I, I couldn't believe it when he found the net again for the, the, oh, bean, the bean boy sorry I'll try and I'll try and cut those out from, <laughs> from here on in but it was a great moment for you know it was a great moment for him obviously a great moment for Juve um, you know I'd, I'd still be I'd still be wary of saying turn the corner because obviously Inter were a team that came at them um, to, to limited to an Inzaghi, to Simone Inzaghi instead came at them. And, you know, that that did open it up. And I thought uh, Philip Kostic, uh, who has been a good signing for Juve, he had a great game, two assists, could have had a goal, you know, that was, was very influential. And a, a real lethal weapon on the break, I think. And that's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that is a way that, that Juve can can climb back up the team. Well, it almost certainly is against teams that, that come at them. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, because not every team in Serie A is going to come and attack Juve. And then are we going to go back to these insipid performances that fans hate about Allegri, where, you know, they sit in like a provincial team when they're on their travels to, you know, wherever around Italy, when really Juve should be bossing the game. But that's not... And that sounds I'm being quite miserable and raining on their parade. Really, you know, it was a big win for Juve, won the Derby d'Italia, the, uh, deservedly so. You know, Inter really um, were were pretty poor and and couldn't find ways to open them, and they did defend very very solidly. Juve, and obviously as they get players back, you know, they have got the potential certainly to be higher in the league than they are at the moment. Yeah, and I wonder as well as getting players back if. You know, being forced to play these young boys, but also making decisions like dropping Bonucci. You know, Bonucci has been a, you know, a mainstay of Italian football for a long time, but there's no doubt it appears anyway that his best days are behind him. So, I mean, Juve's fortune seems to have picked up as he has found time on the bench as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I mean I think that 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 you know that kind of process of getting the younger players into the team, getting Kiesa back as well be a big be a big boost, you know, but it's almost how much it's been forced on him, how much it's, you know, Allegri's wanted to get these youngsters in. I mean, they certainly look like they've got a good 
a good crop of of young Italian and, and non-Italian players there that you know that really look ready and can make a difference, and that has to be. You know, it certainly has to be one part of Juve's way forward because, and I think it has to be one part of all Italian teams' way forward. Really, is that you know they've got to try and get these young Italian players into their side because they can't go out and buy, you know, the the best in the world. They just they just don't have that. So you know, we tend to get more tried and tested old stagers coming in. So you need to get not just young Italians, obviously, but young 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 players coming through um, that you catch early enough. In their career, that they're at least going to give you, um, a, you know, a number of um, a, a number of years at your club, and you can have them on the way up. And then they're a big plus if you if you do it right, you sell them for a big bonus as well. So that then helps to to fuel the recovery. And it was, I mean, we'll get on to this as the pod progresses, but you know, not just not just my favourite bean pun man, but it was a good weekend for, for young Italian players right right up and down the peninsula. Yeah, and it, it, earlier in the day there was a, there was another big clash. There were a few big clashes this weekend, but the, the Rome derby, obviously, and Lazio, without Immobile and Milinkovic-Savic, um, managed to win that one. Um, the goal itself was a bit of a farcical piece of defending, but uh, they were probably good value for the win in the end. Yeah, Roger. Roger was over and out for that one. <laughs> Ibanez eh, messed up, and yeah, I thought they were worth. I didn't think it was a great game. I no. thought it was one. Of, it was one of those ones where it was like I felt it was a bit of an advertisement for all that's bad in Italian football. It was as if everybody wanted the referee to make a decision to kind of swing the game in their feet. So there was a lot of falling over. There was a lot of appealing for penalties. There was a lot of sort of holding your face when you know. And I understand the stakes are high. It's, it's a big, big, you know, it's the game of the year in, in Rome. Um, but once Lazio got ahead, they seemed more content. It wasn't a lot of Sarri ball on the goal, which, I mean, as I say, you mentioned possibly fairly given two of the most influential players were out, but it was kind of backs to the wall. And then 10 epic minutes of injury time as well at, at, at the end of it, where, where Roma huffed and puffed. But as I say, it just it, it felt like everybody was wanting the referee to do them a favour. I don't think the referee had a particularly great game, but, um, you know, in the end... <laughs> The ends justify the means. Lazio won won the game. I had a feeling that they that they might edge it, um, just a little bit sharper. Team Roma, maybe a bit more tired from their their European exertions or whatever. But um, you know, it, it was a game where Lazio were worth their win. But I I don't think it'll be going down. You'll not be selling many DVDs of of that game or whatever whatever you sell. And I don't know what you know. There'll not be many people streaming that one back. Yeah. Other other than you know diehard Lazio fans, I would say, and and uh, the 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 last big game I suppose that we'll talk about before we start looking further down the table was, uh, you know the the near the top of the table clash between Atalanta and Napoli, um, and Napoli continued their unstoppable run. Now that that was a good game. I enjoyed I enjoyed that game. I mean, it was helped I think by the fact that Napoli went behind. Um, Atalanta got their got their got their goal through it. Lukman in great form at the moment, and um, that that kind of helped things. But it just shows you that Napoli, you know, we've said this before that they know Farah Scalia, which you know that any team losing their talisman, 
you would think, you know, was going to be a hard, but didn't seem to bother them. Aussie men with a beautiful, beautiful header, and then Elmas got them right back into it, and it was it was no far a, no problem for Napoli. Mm-hmm. Really played some some nice stuff again, and you know it, it does it does show that you know they have got a squad there now that can keep playing that. Lovely football. I mean, they had to be they had to be strong at the back as well. They had to be quite robust. They had to be on defence at time because, you know, Bergam was not an easy place to go and get a result as well. You know, so it was a testing game for them. But it's an, yet another test that they've they've come through. And I'm sure there's a lot of Napoli fans um, that that listen to the pod that will be getting a wee bit excited now. Yeah, quite rightly so as well. But as we mentioned before, the World Cup's coming up, so it'll be interesting to see what effect that has on their run. But um, if we look further down the table, uh, I wanted to ask, I suppose a couple of VAR decisions that that made uh, some interesting outcomes in games. In the the uh, Monza-Verona game, there was a sending off. It was a yellow card, first of all, and then VAR turned it into a sending off, which I personally thought looked a little harsh I have to say but I don't know what you thought I I did too I did too I also thought I don't know if you thought but I thought it was a little bit of a pantomime as well because because the way the way that it was the way that was I mean if people haven't seen that it was uh, Verona's captain Magnani was it looked like it was a desperate attempt to hoof the you know when they hook the ball and instead of hooking the ball, he hooked the man, really. So, I mean, you know, it undoubtedly was a foul, and he undoubtedly was the, the, the last man as well. So I suppose maybe by the letter... But it didn't look... It didn't look awfully deliberate to me. It didn't, you know, it didn't look in control of what he was doing. Maybe that's maybe that's not the point. Um, but it seemed quite a harsh one. But what was comedic about it to me was that the, the referee went, had a look, and then sort of pointed to the yellow card and waved his finger, and we <laughs> thought, right. oh, yeah, I've got away with it. <laughs> but then he said, no, 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 not this. It's even worse. It's a red card. And that that was obviously, you know, Verona down on their luck anyway. Um, you know, that that was going to play a, a, a big part in the outcome I mean, of the game. And it, obvi- the, it, obvi- it obviously did. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the thing about the red card, I mean, he was the last man, but he was they were like 40 yards out on the wing and there was definitely another defender running back so I wouldn't have said it was a clear uh, goal scoring opportunity particularly no you know? no you're, so you're right. for VAR to turn it over I thought you know I know having been in that position when you're down in your luck like Verona are then everything is going to conspire against you and that that seemed to me to be another example of it and if you're cynical you would say if you have influential people like Berlusconi and Galliani in charge but that that's the that's the that's the uh, Italian football is not like that anymore but you know that the the cynical head would would say that you know the team with the the greater uh, (laughs) greater authority always seems to get always seems to get those decisions in their in their favour but I mean obviously that was a key moment as you say when a team's struggling they can't catch a break but it, it does come back to this you know I don't know the, the definition of clear and obvious I mean we had one through the week for uh, and this is against an Italian team when Ludo Goritz had one ruled out for a man getting a sort of a slight slap in the face before the, you know it's mm-hmm. almost like they, they go back on a goal now to try to find anything in the preceding 20 minutes that might that might possibly rule it out, and you know it, 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 that that was another one where you know 
gave a yellow. It seemed fair enough. Why? Why call it back? But you know, to say there is no consistency in that. I think that's going to be you know that is VAR to a T really. That you know my my thought of what a clear and obvious error is, and someone in the VAR booths are just going to be quite different forever. And and the the other uh, VAR. Well, the other VAR episode I want to mention, although I suppose it's not strictly VAR, but um, video assistance was the at the end of the Salernitana game. There was a penalty given, uh, which was saved, then scored, and then they went to the video and decided that the person that had scored had encroached in the box, and they had to take the penalty again, and it was saved again, but then scored again. Yeah, aye, yeah, uh yeah, no, no, it was confusing because if you saw that on your live score, you wonder what (laughs) on earth, what on earth went on, it was in, it was out, it was shaky all about, I mean, poor Sepe, the the goalkeeper, and, and, you know, it did have a big say again, it was a decisive goal in in the sense of letting Cremonese grab a point, I don't think, uh, I've seen Cremonese a few times. I, I, I struggle to think that they will survive on the on the back of that decision. But again, you know, it's another one where you know even tonight in the UV game, the 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 handball thing. I mean, obviously that is the that is the real VAR ruled out Danilo's for a header that brushed his fingertips or whatever. You know, but I wondered why wouldn't they go back and say because it looked to me quite clearly that. Kostic took the corner with the ball outside of the triangle yeah, exactly. as well. So you know why? Why not? I mean, that is that a contravention? Is that it looked quite clear and obvious to me when they showed the replay that it was sitting, you know, a good six inches outside. That's sort of, does that matter? I don't know. You know, that's that's the sort of thing that they say we get into the kind of the very semantics of the rules of football a lot of times with, with VAR and you know it, it does seem to be although in the case of Salernitana Cremonese you'd have to say nobody nobody enjoys any great favour and they're both they're both relatively yeah. small clubs so you know you can't say it was a you know that was just typical Cremona getting their, their, their usual decisions in their in their favour there's just no consistency really and as I say it's, it's Often the the case that it, you know it doesn't look all that clear and obvious, but it gets it gets called back anyway. And and uh, another refereeing decision, or the correct one, but it was a bit of a, another first end in the in the Milan game where they they grabbed the last minute equalize uh, winner. Sorry, great goal actually from Ojiru, who who we've mentioned before, obviously on the podcast. Um, but then he forgets that he's been booked and takes off his shirt and is is then sent off. Yeah, no, he, he looked sort of he looked quite apologetic and even the, the referee didn't have a didn't have a blinder in that one either. And it was it was a cracking finish. I mean he just he does seem to get better with age yeah. It was a nice ball chipped in. I mean and we'd obviously had the 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 goal ruled out for Tonali early, which you know, I'm, I'm thinking of putting together a showreel of the the greatest goals that VAR has denied because that was an absolute, it was an absolute belter, and yet we, this was another one where we went back, and the tool of, I mean, it was a foul, there was a foul at the start of that move, but it was it clear and obvious? I, you know, it, yes, it was a foul, but I don't know how clear and obvious it was that it needed to be called back, and it did deny us a beautiful goal. But however, it did give us another comedy moment of a man stripping naked to the waist or whatever, and he, he's 
clearly been doing a lot of gym work. We could <laughs> we could tell that from the the video, but then red faced at the end of it because he'll he'll miss it. The, the, the only sad thing for me is that Fiorentina Milan or Milan Fiorentina's coming up soon, but that'll not be the game he misses. Unfortunately, there's a mid there's a midweek round that I hadn't calculated for because I think I think Theo Hernandez might be suspended as well. I've picked All up right, a yellow right, card, so both for but they're both for I think maybe Milan play Cremonese during the week, but Fiorentina, so they'll both have sadly have served their their bands. But that that game was also notable for you know quite an emotional moment or, or one of those moments where. You know, we've discussed before, should you celebrate a goal? Shouldn't you? I think in this case we can say you probably shouldn't. When your surname's Maldini and you score against Milan, Daniel Maldini scored a lovely, lovely goal. You know, again, yeah, encouraging 21-year-old son of Paolo. His dad's there to watch and he curled one in. And his celebrations were understandably subdued. When you're, when you're Cesare's grandson and Paolo's son... Um, you're you're not going to you're not going to celebrate a goal, but you know this was another part of a weekend where um, Italian youngsters, in fact, you know Milan youngsters actually, because I think um, Lorenzo Colombo smacked one in for Lecce to kick off the weekend. He's on loan at Lecce from Milan. And then Empoli won their game with a, a youngster called Tommaso Baldanzi. Got the only goal of the game. He's nineteen years old. I think he's the youngest um, of yeah, the Italian nice scorers. Finish, and it was another nice finish. And he's he's an Empoli youth product boy from the beautiful town of Poggibonsi. What a great name that is. Um, and scored the and it did. You know, it's it's bad news for Sassuolo. I think that's four defeats in their last in yeah. their last five games for Sassuolo. And maybe. Maybe your man Dionysi's maybe flown a bit too close to the sun. You know, you've always said he was, he, 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 he maybe he was flying faster than his than his reputation deserved. And it's certainly, I mean, to be fair to as well, they've sold off a fair number yeah. of his best players from under him. But just to see him, it's not a it's not a great a great run of results. But what has been pleasant, as I say, to me has been seeing a lot of these fresh faced young Italian boy. I mean, I I think now. Not quite. Could I? yeah, no. I would be just about old enough to be their grandfather now. Some of these <laughs> boys that are coming, that are coming through. If I'd had a very misspent, if I'd had a very misspent youth, I think I could be their nonno. So to see these fresh-faced boys coming through, not all Italian, as I say, but mostly this weekend, they were Italian. Is 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 encouraging. And as we as we prepare to sit out a World Cup, um, you know, we got to hope that. In, in four years' time or whatever, these boys will be these boys will be kind of good to go, and and we'll have a really strong a really strong squad going forward. If even if you know only a handful of them actually make yeah. the grade, yeah, absolutely. And then um, your your team managed to get a win against a very poor Sampdoria. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's the bottom line. Is that you know I've I've been sort of playing it playing down any talk of a Fiorentina revival. But having said all of that, you know, they, they have now, that's four wins in a row for Fiorentina, which is unprecedented this season. A couple of them in Europe, to be to be fair, and a, and a couple of them against very hapless sides. I mean, Spezia are a bit more organised, but Sam just look in dire trouble unless they get some kind of... Help in the in the January transfer window, or a, you know, a, a, an infusion of something over the over the, the the World Cup break. They they look pretty they look pretty poor, and you know, I'd, I'd say it was a fairly comfortable win for Fiorentina. We're ahead 
early and you know actually started to look good, which is always a worry for any team when when Fiorentina start looking good against. I think there are some some positive signs for Fiorentina. I think you know the the fact that the strikers are starting to score now, there is a bit more of a pattern to their play, but. You know, yeah, it's, it's early day. I mean, Salernitana, I think, to play during the week and then a, a tougher test. If they could get anything out of the game with Milad, then I would be starting to think, yeah, actually, you know, Italiano has got this team sorted in their back to play in something like he would he would want them to, to play. But I, I know that, sadly, four wins in a row, even one win in a row, is something you can only dream of in, in Serie B, Mark. A, a, another miserable weekend for you. Yeah, so so obviously we've we've had a change of manager. We don't have a new manager officially yet. We have promoted the Primavera manager, Son Sheen, who also did the caretaker role at the end of last season. Um, and I think the club would quite like to make him the permanent manager because he's cheap and also perhaps being there already they think they can have some say over him I'm not sure but maybe that's just me being cynical but um, it was a big game against Como who are another team that are massively underperformed given the money spent etc bottom of the table clash and again we flopped massively Um, they deserved their win we were terrible we were I mean both teams neither team was great in the first half pretty even but second half we just didn't really come out to the races and they scored a nice volley um we never got a shot on target in the whole game <laughs> so so uh yeah it's it's a complete mess and it is just becoming quite uh, depressing honestly just watching the team you go into expecting to lose the game but even if it's nil nil in the eighth minute you still think something's going to happen i don't really see see a massive way out of it i, I posted on Twitter, while it while it still exists as a as a platform, uh, after the game to say that um, you know at the, the end of the day, even if Guardiola was a, was the manager of this squad, I don't think we'd be doing particularly well because I just think there's a huge lack of quality, and you see that in the substitutions. I would, for me, and they are players that we signed this season. To be fair, Joran and our keepers, Ampano, the right back and Cherishev are the only ones that you would say you could take them and put them in another team and they do you know they could do really well in a sort of Mazzocchi type way but the rest are pretty middling players or some players that seem to have potential but don't ever seem to have fulfilled it um and I just think the club is going in entirely the wrong direction and there is no reassurance coming from uh, the board uh, or anyone on it that they seem to understand what what the problem is because they're so set on doing things their own way. It's bad when the new manager bounce is is yeah. still a it's still a bounce exactly down the way. You know that that's a bad that's a bad sign as you see in a, a game against another team that's right down there down on its luck. If you if you're not getting anything out of those, it, it's it's hard to know. I mean, do you? Is Sonchin, is, is that going to be, do you think that will be a long-term solution or will they try and get someone in? Well, so that... I think they've tried, I think they they did try like Stallone, I think they tried Yakini, but they, for whatever reason, these managers probably had a bit of sense and looked at the state of the club and said no thanks. Um, and we're now being linked with people like Alieti and stuff who are all right, you know, they know Serie B. I wouldn't be overly disappointed if we got them, but I just think, 
I think although they've got these grand plans, they don't want to spend a lot of money on it. So I'm not even sure we'll get them. And I think they see Son Sheen as quite an easy fix. But if I was him, he he's been having a great season with the Primavera. I would I would think twice about taking over this particular <laughs> squad of players because I can't see it ending well for him. To be honest, no. Well, if if you say if Guardiola couldn't get a tune out of them, then it's going to be a hard job for Son Chin. I mean, the the only thing in his favour is it's a lovely Venetian yes, sounding name. So yeah. you know that I've always said there should be at least three or four of those kind of names associated with the club to to keep the proper. Veneto spirit alive, but um, aye, it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to keep beating you with a stick every week, Marco. That the teams just uh, to think that you know it was a Serie A squad. You'd have thought that dropping down there'd have been enough quality there. But as you say that you know the quality players are still doing a job in Serie A. The yeah. ones that the ones that you yeah. had, um, and then they've not replaced them well. You've got maybe two or three players, but the rest of them look. Yeah, journeyman at, at at best, and you know, and once I think once there's a sort of downward tide, Serie B is a brutal division. There's no, you know, there's no easy games for you to pick up points in, and nobody's kind of kowtowing to no. Venezia because you know you're a bigger club or whatever. They're all right up, you know, Sudtirol are all right up for a scrap or whatever. So it's it's a tough old it's a tough old situation, and not even. Not even the respite of the World Cup for you, Marco. No, the game, the games no, keep on, not. the games keep on, the games keep on coming. I might so. be forced to watch the World Cup, which I was going to try and avoid. But yeah, it'll be yeah, preferable to watch in Venezia for some, say. for some, for some light, for some light relief. That's the only, that's the only hope we, that's the only hope we can have, and keep our fingers crossed that somehow or another. You t- I mean, I suppose the, the consolation they've got, mind you, no shot on goal, but it was only one nil. So you know, maybe. Maybe there's enough there to build something from, but it does look the form is the form is terrible just now, right? Enough, you can mm-hmm. really hope that they find some some magic wand to weave or a, or a you know an actual permanent appointed new manager. Uh, like I would, I would feel some, yeah, but like I say, I'm not sure the manager is the is the problem. I, I would feel more is happy if we started to see changes further up at the club, particularly with the sort of sporting director, the people responsible for recruitment of players, uh, would give you some hope that in January we might, you know, if you got in a Sabatini like Salernitana did, and he could, you know, someone like that could work their magic to pull in a squad that might be able to scramble, then uh, something could happen. But I just don't see that happening under the current the current management, unfortunately. That's a sad, it's a sad note. I want to give you something upbeat. They found they found Cherishev, so maybe they can yeah. find if they can find another seven or eight of him. Then yes, there's, then right. there's hope. I suppose. We were linked but... to another Russian attacker. I think. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're just trying to recruit recruit all these people that that can't play in Russia anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's worked out all right for Fiorentina as well. Dodo's proved quite yeah. decent too. But yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. But we'll keep. We'll keep watching, and we'll keep our fingers crossed for a Venetian revival in the not too in the not, I'm not sure I will, future. But, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, the, the, I hope that bum note hasn't hasn't uh, ruined the episode for you. In fact, I know some people tune in just to hear how how depressed I am each week. So hopefully, <laughs> they enjoyed that. Um, if you did enjoy the podcast, please follow, like, subscribe, tell people about it. Follow us on Twitter while it exists. We don't yet have a Mastodon account or whatever the hell 
you're meant to go to from Twitter. But um, yeah, you can still find us on there. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. And who knows, Venezia may even get a shot on target. (laughs) We can keep our fingers crossed.